Pretty good. All right, listen, let's pray. Let's go to the Lord. Heavenly Father, we just thank you uh, for uh, your presence here this morning. Thank you uh, just for all the different ways that you work. As you, you, know, you send people on missions trips, you, you work through people serving in ministry, uh, you, know, you, you work through the fellowship that we're going to have afterwards, and, and you work through the preaching of your word. And so, God, we just pray and ask that you would work in our hearts right now. Prepare us to hear what you have to say. And Lord, we want to lift up our brothers and sisters in the, in the church family that are maybe uh, struggling right now. Uh, their bodies are, are just need your healing touch. We just pray, God, that you do that, uh, that you be glorified, Lord, in doing that. And Lord, we also just pray um, for those that are struggling spiritually, uh, maybe just having a hard time. Uh, maybe struggling with depression and so on. Lord, we just pray that you would help them to wait upon you. You would help them, God, to, to seek you, uh, continue to seek you, even in the midst of a, you know, a very long and protracted time of difficulty for them. And Lord, help us to know, Lord, as uh, their fellow brothers and sisters, how we might help them. Lord, we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Um, do you guys, how many, uh, some of you guys, this is going to really date some people here, all right? Do you remember the song, Those Were the Days? Okay, how many people remember Those Were the Days? Like, those were the days, my friend, you thought they'd never end. No, I'm not going to sing it any more than that, but imagine a mandolin and some Irish guy standing outside of a pub or something. That's kind of what it sounds like, that song, but they're recollecting the good old days, Right? They're remembering things. And, and uh, when I think of this psalm, 126, the first part of the psalm is like, man, these were the great days when God, you know, just incredibly came through and delivered us. And then the second half of the psalm, they're like, God, would you do it again? That's it. That's the psalm. And that's what he's talking about. So let's, uh, I want to take a look at these verses together. And um, Psalm 126 and uh, let's go ahead, if you're able to stand up, let's read the psalm together. There's six verses in this psalm, and uh, we, can, we can speak the Word of God out loud here together. Let's listen to this. Let's go ahead and read. When the Lord restored the fortunes of Zion, we were like those who dream. Then our mouth was filled with laughter, and our tongue with shouts of joy. Then they said among the nations, the Lord has done great things for them. The Lord has done great things for us. We are glad. Restore our fortunes, O Lord, like the streams in the Negev. Those who sow in tears shall reap with shouts of joy. He, okay, come on. I clicked it and it's not moving. He who goes out weeping, bearing the seed of sowing, shall come home with shouts of joy, bringing his sheaves with him. Yeah, my clicker's a little like slow like my body feels sometimes. Go ahead and have a seat. This is God's word. Yes. Um, and like I said, you know, really, you, you can kind of divide this thing down into the first three verses, the second three verses in terms of uh, the topic of what's going on. Um, but just a little bit of background here. Some of you may not know, but this is among uh, a group of psalms that, that have been called the Psalms of Ascent. All right, the Psalms of Ascent. In, verses, uh, in, in chapters 120 through 134, those psalms are in this category called the Psalms of Ascent, and uh, the reason for that is, and I'm just going to read from you, 
read for you a, a quote here. It says, the, the city of Jerusalem is situated up on a high hill. And Jews traveling to Jerusalem for one of the three main annual Jewish festivals traditionally sang these songs on the ascent or the uphill road to the city. According to some traditions, the Jewish priests also sang some of these songs of ascent as they walked up the steps to the temple in Jerusalem. Uh, and so that's, that's why when you see that heading there, Psalm of Ascent, that's what it means, because you were actually geographically going up to Jerusalem, okay? And so this was one of the songs. And uh, if you could think, as you read, even think about those first few verses that we read, the first one starts off, when the Lord restored the fortunes of Zion, we were like those who dream. Uh, other translations kind of fill in the blanks a little bit and kind of say, uh, when, basically, when the exiles returned to Jerusalem, you know, wasn't that an incredible thing, right? And so what he's referring to, and to get to the context, I think this particular psalm uh, is really talking about when God delivered his people out of the Babylonian exile. They had been there for 70 years, uh, right? Uh, they had, God was working sovereignly. He was disciplining his people, and part of that discipline was he uprooted them from their homeland, and they were taken, right, uh, by, by the king there of, of Babylon, and then they were incorporated, if you will, into that Babylonian society. And as you remember, we did a study on Daniel here during the pandemic, and we visited some of that information, right, during that time. And so, so just realize that I think he's, this person who wrote this psalm is really reflecting on that time. Because, um, now I've not done a study of civilizations, but how many civilizations do you know, people groups like this, have been incorporated into another society and then entirely delivered out of that? and still existed as a people. I can't think of too many. And so they're, they're celebrating, right? They're thinking back, right, as they're going to the temple to worship. They're thinking, man, uh, as we're going back to Jerusalem to worship and celebrate these feasts, we're thinking back when our ancestors were delivered and brought out of captivity and coming back for the first time to worship in this place. And so they're just remembering how God has helped them in the past. And, uh, you know, if, you, if you're interested, if you take a look in Ezra, the first four verses of the book of Ezra says the following. I don't have it up here, but Ezra 1, 1 to 4 says, In the first year of Cyrus, king of Persia, that, uh, that the word of the Lord by the mouth of Jeremiah might be fulfilled, the Lord stirred up the spirit of Cyrus, king of Persia so that he made a proclamation throughout all his kingdom and also put it in writing. And so now they're going to quote what the, the writing said. Okay, And here was the declaration. Thus says Cyrus, king of Persia, the Lord, the God of heaven, has given me all the kingdoms of the earth, and he has charged me to build him a house at Jerusalem, which is in Judah. Whoever is among you of all his people, may his God be with him and let him go up to Jerusalem which is in Judah, and rebuild the house of the Lord, the God of Israel. He is the God who is in Jerusalem. And let each survivor in whatever place he sojourns be assisted by the men of his place with silver and gold, with goods and with beasts, 
besides freewill offerings for the house of God that is in Jerusalem. I mean, this is an incredible thing, right? Uh, God brought into power a king who was, that God used and was sympathetic uh, to this people that had been incorporated into his culture by his predecessors. And now he's allowing them to go back, to return. And so they're thinking about like this, you know, as it goes in verse 2 of Psalm 126, it says, then our mouth, or actually in verse 1, it says, we were like those who dream. It's like a dream come true. We've been waiting for 70 years for this to happen. And so it says, then our mouth was filled with laughter, our tongue with shouts of joy. Then they said among the nations, the Lord has done great, great things for them. The people that lived at that time looked and saw and saw what was happening, that these people were allowed to go back and rebuild, and God's provision even to rebuild with the silver and the gold and all the materials um, and the animals that would be needed to make this happen. The nations surrounding them looked and said, their God is incredible and is doing great things for them. And so it was a testimony to the people around and then God's own people in verse 3 says, the Lord has done great things for us. We are glad. And so they're just remembering God is awesome. He's done some incredible things in the past. And as I think about this psalm, uh, I think about just how God uh, wants us to, to think about how he has worked in our past. Uh, have you ever taken some time to reflect on your life and to look over the years prayerfully and identify where you saw the hand of God. Now, obviously, God's hand's working every day, but there are some things I'm sure that stand out to you, right? And the thing I, I take away from the first part of this psalm is just that we need to really guard against um, spiritual amnesia, right? Just forgetting what God has done. And uh, I think about... Um, the, just the importance of thinking back. Psalm seventy-seven, twelve. the psalmist says, I will ponder all your work and meditate on your mighty deeds. And so how can we guard against spiritual amnesia? Well, prayerfully reflect, meditate on the deeds of God. Ask God to bring to remembrance those times, right? Uh, and, and just, and then turn those things that he reminds you of into thanksgiving to him, uh, as it says in Psalm 9, verse 1. It says, I will give thanks to the Lord with my whole heart. Listen, I will recount all of your wonderful deeds. I will recount all of your wonderful deeds. That's what he wants us to do. He wants us to reflect, to look back and give thanks to him and recount all of his wonderful deeds. And so this is what they were doing. They were remembering a specific instance, but we need to do the same. We need to do the same so that we won't have spiritual amnesia. The other thing is we need to tell other people about God's faithfulness, right? Tell other people about God's faithfulness. Um, as I was thinking about this aspect, I was thinking about Joshua. You remember in Joshua, the book of Joshua, when they're crossing over the Jordan River, and how God did a miracle to hold up the stream, you know, right? And, and, and then they walked over on dry land into the promised land, right? And just miraculous uh, 
incredible thing that God did there. Uh, do you remember what God had them do to remember? Might want to say? Pick up 12 stones, one for each of the tribes of Israel, right? And then they were to make kind of a monument there when they, where, the, where they were going to a camp, which was at the city, a, a place of, called Gilgal. They would set up this monument. And uh, let me just read for you just a few verses from Joshua chapter 4. Um, this is what the Lord says to Joshua to tell people. He says, when your children ask your fathers in times to come, what do these stones mean? Then you shall let your children know. Israel passed over this Jordan on, on dry ground. For the Lord your God dried up the waters of the Jordan for you until you passed over, as the Lord your God did to the Red Sea, which he dried up for us when we all passed over, so that all the peoples of the earth may know that the hand of the Lord is mighty, that you may fear the Lord your God forever. Did you get that? He's saying, you need to tell this to your kids. You need to tell your kids, and don't just limit it to your children, you need to tell people the things that God has done in your life. You need to tell all those wondrous deeds. And you know uh, what's going to happen there. He says, so that, that's verse 24 of Joshua chapter 4, so that all the peoples of the earth may know the hand of the Lord is mighty and that they may fear the Lord your God. So, so just recapping here, trying to guard against spiritual amnesia. We want to be one, ones like these guys here in Psalm 126 who remember and they praise the Lord and say, wasn't that an incredible thing? So we need to think back, right? Psalm 77, 12. We need to thank God, Psalm 9, 1. And we need to tell others, Joshua 4, 21 to 24. We need that. It's, it's our tendency, it's my tendency at least, to forget, right? And to focus on the now, what's happening now, my problem that's now. And that's real, but we need to remember, we need to hang on and, and remember that and sing about it and tell others about it. So, so there we have those first few verses. Now, when you get to the last three verses, and I'll just read them for you again. Now, remember the first verse. What, what did the first verse say? It says, the first verse in Psalm 126 says, when the Lord restored the fortunes of Zion. A past thing, right? Verse 4, what does the psalmist say? Restore our fortunes. This is a present thing. Something's going on. They were like, it's like, do it again. Now, maybe they're, they're not in exile, but something is happening where they're like, we want to see your mighty deeds again. We need you to show up right now. <laughs> That's what I'm getting from this psalm. He says, restore our fortunes, O Lord, like the streams in the Negev. And so, as I think about this, as, they're, as the equivalent of saying, Lord, do it again, right? Restore, revive us again. Have you ever been in a spiritual slump? Right? Have you ever been discouraged or, or, um, or maybe just um, you just feel like you need reviving? Right? Or, or maybe you've wandered away from God and you're saying, Lord, restore me. Uh, bring me back. You know? And if you're God's child, you know, you've not slipped out of his arms, but you, there's a distance in a sense between you and him. 
relationally because of your sin, maybe. And so, so maybe uh, you would be crying out, you know, restore me, Lord, to you. I'm, I'm sitting in my sin right now. I need you to restore me. And so this is a present request. It's not them reflecting back now in verse 4. He's saying, restore this. And um, as I think about this restoration or this, this uh, desire to be revived, I see kind of two things going on here. Verse 4, that last part of verse 4, where it says, uh, like the streams in the Negev. He's giving kind of an analogy here. Well, the Negev is in the south of this area, the region there, and it was just a dry and arid kind of desert area, but occasionally it's going to get dumped on by rain. And when that happens, it's almost like overnight, there's green grass and there's flowers, just like a restoration, revived, right? And so sometimes God does restoring and reviving work instantly, right? Uh, You might call that like literally a revival, okay? And there are people that have studied revivals in church history, and there have been a number of them, but maybe even just a personal revival, okay? Um, Martin Lloyd-Jones said that revival is something only God can do. He's quoted as saying this, God does more in five minutes than man did in the previous 10 years. That's a wise comment. He's saying, you know, God can do stuff man can't do. Well, that's obvious, but I'm saying like reviving people's spirits, restoring them to himself, gathering wayward people back. He can do that like that, okay? And when I see this prayer request, this crying out to do it again, like the streams in the Negev, I think of like, it's like, Lord, do it like those, those, uh, those streams that just flow just from that rain that comes almost like out of nowhere and brings forth fruit, right? And maybe that's what you need. Maybe, that's, maybe you are just desiring God to revive you to do some kind of, a, in a sense, a miracle uh, in your heart or maybe in someone else's, maybe in someone else's. And so sometimes this happens instantly because it really is a direct act of God. And if you're lacking the joy of the Lord you once had, if you were once spiritually on fire, now feel complacent and lethargic, cry out to God to revive your soul. That's what we need to do. Ask Him to renew you and to restore you, right? And we could pray, we can and should pray this for our church, right? We should pray for our church, Lord, revive us, restore us. You know, where we're, where we're not excited about you, Lord, infuse it, impassion us for you, God, right? Um, asking the Lord to renew and revive our church where it needs it, that our passion for Him, for the lost, would be evident, and that, you know, we can't control or manipulate God into doing this, but we can humbly come to Him and cry out to Him for it, right? We're not going to strong-arm God into anything, but we can cry out to Him saying, Lord, would you do it, right? Now, sometimes, though, God does restoring, reviving work. It's done over time. It's done over time. It's not done like that, right? And Verses 5 and 6, I think, really speak to this idea. He says, uh, the psalmist says, Those who sow in tears shall reap 
with shouts of joy. He who goes out weeping, bearing the seed for sowing, shall come home with shouts of joy, bringing his sheaves with him. All right, so verse 4, looked for God to do something sudden, right? Sudden revival renewal, but verses 5 and 6 kind of gives us this image of this sowing of seed, which happens to be done with tears, right? I think of suffering, right? Somebody going through a, a very difficult suffering time. Uh, that's sowing uh, tears, sowing with tears. And then somebody maybe who's, who's weeping over their sin. Maybe their sin is just ever before them and they're weeping. Uh, maybe, maybe years that have been lost due to a, a type of lifestyle that's not God-honoring. But, but the cool thing here is, though, is that though, though that weeping may last for a time, and, and for the Israelites, it was 70 years they were weeping, okay? Uh, I believe it's in Psalm 37 where it talks about um, basically their captors wanted them to sing their, their joyful songs. And like, how are we going to sing the joyful songs? We're in captivity. We're singing with tears, you know? And so this imagery uh, of, of sowing seed, right, as we weep is what is being said here. And, and just the idea that this happens over time, right, that there is actually a byproduct, right, because it talks about bringing his sheaves with him, right? right? So the psalmist thinks back to their time there in captivity, remembers those, uh, the weeping of the 70 years, uh, and then that full restoration of God's people took that time, right? So think about yourself. If you're in a need of personal renewal and spiritual restoration, have you wept over your sin? Or have you wept out of desire uh, for just God to do a work in your life? Or have you prayed in tears for those whom you love who are not yet believers? Um, I heard someone mention, um, oh, what's the dude's name? He was a preacher in, uh, in uh, Scotland, in Edinburgh. Robert Murray McShane uh, is his name. And somebody was visiting there, the famous church where he used to preach and had a, a very short life. I think he only lived like 27 or 29, but had a very fruitful ministry. That's so a lot of people come to know the Lord. And somebody was asking, like, I'd love to know some of the secrets of, of his ministry. And the guy said, well, why don't you uh, go up to his desk there? And then he said, well, um, then you need to kneel down. Can you get me if I can't get back up? Yeah. All right. And then, uh, and then he said, now put your hands in, in your face and now weep for the people in your congregation or whatever it is. And that's what he said. His, 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 his uh, desk area was just stained with tears, weeping, weeping before the Lord. And, and I'm not saying that, you know, it's all about crying and that if you don't have a crying experience that something is wrong with you. Nobody's saying just a desire, his desire was so much that he was weeping for this. And so um, you may go through periods of suffering where it's just a long period of weeping, right? Uh, a very difficult time. But the Lord promises here, uh, he's saying, you, I love how it says it in verse 6, um, 
He who goes out weeping, bearing the seed for sowing, shall come home with shouts of joy. Bringing their sheaves with it. Shall come home. I love that. Shall come home with shouts of joy. So God's going to turn that weeping into uh, joy. Okay? And we don't have um, the control over the timetable. Right? And God, uh, so many times, and we've seen it time and time again, how he will turn um, sorrows into joys. On the back end, we see how he used it in our lives. And so uh, we see here in verses 4 to 6, pray for God's restoration and blessing on your life. Know that God will turn your sorrow into joy. Verse 5, he shall, he says. But now the other thing too, as I see, is that uh, it says, as they were weeping, they were bearing the sowed for the seed for sowing. What does that mean? They kept going on. They, it's like they didn't, they weren't totally crippled by their suffering or whatever it was that was going on. They kept doing the work of God. They were sowing the seed with tears. God's people in their captivity, you know, many remained faithful to him, right? They were still weeping, but they were faithful. They were faithful. They continued the work of the Lord right where they were. Right? We even saw that in Daniel's life. He, he just was faithful. He continued the work of the Lord in a less than ideal circumstance, right? And so this is important, right? As in our season of weeping or suffering, we need to continue to do that which God has called us to do, knowing that it will, uh, it will eventually, uh, you know, bring, it brings glory to God, but also we will experience joy. Now, so I, I just want to bring this to a close. I just want to pray together and, and just, you know, I don't know what it is that's, maybe it's, again, maybe you're, you're, you're enduring some suffering uh, right now, some personal, maybe physically suffering, maybe just emotionally, spiritually having a very difficult time. Uh, and your cry uh, to God would be, revive me, Lord, or heal me, Lord, restore me, Lord, right? Um, and at the same time, remembering God's faithfulness, not having spiritual amnesia, right? But maybe, though, you're sitting here saying, you know, I've, I've wandered. I'm not in the place where I need to be spiritually. And maybe you need to sit in that and say, Lord, I confess that. I, I, and I, I know that breaks your heart, God, that I've not, you've not had my whole heart. Uh, and I want to turn to you and turn from my sin. I think about Jesus, how he was the ultimate example of weeping that turned to joy. Sorrow that turned to joy, right? Um, you know, he went to the cross for our sins. He experienced that suffering that no one has ever really experienced but him. Taking the sins of the world on him, right? Uh, and crying out to God, you know, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? But then it says he did that for the joy set before him, right? For our joy, right? His sorrow, his suffering led to our joy, right? And so if you don't know Christ and you have not received him as your Savior, that's what he did for you, that you could know God 
that you could have a relationship with him and be restored and revived. Let's pray. Lord, we come to you this morning knowing that you have done great things as we look back over our lives. And Lord, help us this week as we spend time with you to think over your faithfulness in our lives, how you, you intervened or you did this or you did that in our lives and even in, in our church life. And let us give thanks to you, God, for it and remember your faithfulness. But Lord, also, Lord, let us be on our knees before you being honest before you, saying, Lord, I, I need to be restored and renewed spiritually. I feel far from you. Lord, let us, help us, God, to come into your presence to, to seek you. And if need be, with tears. And to confess to you what we need to confess and to... to uh, if we know Christ as Savior, to receive that forgiveness that we already have, to acknowledge and thank you for it. But also, Lord, those that are suffering, Lord, I pray that you give them hope. Restore them as they sow in tears that they would know for sure that they will reap with shouts of joy one day. We ask, Lord, and pray that you do this in Jesus' name. Amen.